Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with the hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. Welcome, everybody. We are your hosts, Tony and Laura Smith, and today we are diving into the topic of postpartum depression, which encompasses the baby blues, postpartum anxiety, and how God deals with depression, exhaustion, burnout in the Bible, as seen in the life of Elijah. Any parents that have experienced fresh postpartum life would attest that the female hormonal swings postpartum are no joke. <laughs> nope, no. they sure aren't. We're going to dive in and look at how God handled emotional fluctuations and some practical ideas that we as parents can glean for our own postpartum days and also use for adjusting to life with a newborn. Yeah, so we're going to take a peek into the book that I'm personally reading for my God time called My Utmost for His Highest. So it's a little devotional by Oswald Chambers. So um, it's about a half a page to a page. And that's what I do before I really dive into the word. But we're really looking forward to spending this time chatting with you today. So thanks for joining us. Our verse today is a little bit different than what we normally do. We felt like it was appropriate to focus on the life of Elijah. So we're going to be looking at 1 Kings 19 verses 3 through 18. And instead of reading this section from 1 Kings, we're going to just give a summary and then we really encourage you to check it out in your own spare time. It's a great one to dive in and just sit and dwell on. To give you a little bit of the context, we're going to start with a little section in 1 Kings 18. We're talking about Elijah, who is a prophet to the nation of Israel, and he had just defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It was like this super high moment spiritually for him. And the queen of Israel, her name's Jezebel, who is a super evil lady, uh, wanted to kill Elijah. He got scared, and he ran away to a town called Beersheba, where he found a tree to sit under, and then he prayed that he would die. If you have ever struggled personally with depression, you know that that feeling is a super low feeling. So in this next section, we get to witness firsthand how God cared for Elijah in that moment. Skipping around just a little bit, verses 5 through 8, Elijah fell asleep but was woken by an angel touching him. The angel told him to eat and then baked him some warm bread on rocks and gave him some water. And after he ate, Elijah went back to sleep and then got up and ate some more. Yeah, and in verse 10, Elijah is talking to God about how he served God, but now is all alone. So he's actually complaining. And he's complaining that he's the only prophet left. And God responds to him. And he allows Elijah to experience his presence through the sound of a gentle whisper on a mountain. Of which, he said to Elijah, what are you doing here? God already knew what Elijah was doing. But instead of shaming or rebuking him, he treated him tenderly and with gentleness. So skipping down to verse 18 
God takes time to remind Elijah that he's not alone when he says that he, God, will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who also haven't bowed down to Baal. So our focus for this episode is what we can take away from this section of scripture as it applies to depression, but also in regards to postpartum depression. So what exactly is postpartum depression? It's this depression that's suffered by a mom following childbirth, typically arising from the combination of hormonal changes, psychological adjustments to motherhood, and fatigue. Thank you, Google, for that definition. (laughs) And there are so many hormonal fluctuations that occur with pregnant women and with women shortly after giving birth. So the women know it. The men know it, and it isn't something that they have a ton of control over. But the key is taking from the scripture. There are things that we can do to allow our bodies as women to rest and heal and endure this postpartum season. And we are first going to focus on the physical aspect. In First Kings, Elijah took a nap, and then he ate a warm meal. Then he repeated the process. And there's something unique about sleep and food that helps heal the body and, as you would put it, heal the soul. Soul food. Thank you, Big Max. (laughs) The problem is that as a new parent, bringing home a new baby, sleep is already going to be scarce. The suggestion is asking for help. More specifically, from your husband. Or rely on your tribe of people to come over and be willing to accept the help that they offer. I do just want to mention here that if you are asking your husband for help, you have to be willing to let him help and accept that he's probably not going to do it the same way you have done it. It's something that I'm working on in our home and have been working on for like the last seven years. Um, Yeah, is if you're going to ask for help just anticipate that it will probably not look like how you want it to look or expect it to look but that it's okay and that it can still take that burden off of you another blessing back to relying on a tribe is if they are able to provide like a meal train or something like that that was huge for us after our second daughter was born just having one of those everyday weights taken off your plate is really helpful when you're just trying to get your feet under you. In the last few episodes, we talked a little bit about what it means to have a tribe of people supporting you and what that kind of looks like. For those of you listening, as you begin your parenting journey, or maybe you have been a parent for a while and you haven't been able to sleep, you struggle with that, the, the parenting with a newborn, and you can't sleep. And it's not just for a few days, but weeks. And then those weeks turn into months. The physical battle of just fighting sleep and just powering through it changes form. And it doesn't become, it's not a physical battle anymore. It changes into an emotional and spiritual battle. You can only power through sleepless nights with minimal support, with a screaming baby for so long. It's almost as though your will is being broken and your spirit is being humbled 
which then forces you to rely not just on other people, but on God. So the next thing we're going to talk about in this section of scripture is that an angel touched Elijah. Sometimes moms especially can feel overstimulated and overtouched, but when you're in a season of an emotional low, you need to allow yourself to be close to those who care about you instead of pushing them away, which is really easy to do. Um, Even if it's just accepting a hug from somebody or allowing them to give you a pat on the back or hold your hand. Yeah, the one person who knows us better than anyone else is our creator who will treat us with tenderness and gentleness, even in our discouragement. Just like when Elijah felt alone, God reassured him that he wasn't. And the results of depression are always cast negatively. When we are truly depressed, it negatively affects how we feel, what we think, and how we act. And sometimes these feelings cause us to think some very dark thoughts and act upon those thoughts that can have dire consequences. So I've been going through a little devotional titled My Utmost for His Highest, and the author, Oswald Chambers, writes a section on depression, despair, and drudgery. And when he discusses depression, the first realization is that depression is normal and is a part that makes us human. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting concept that I had not thought about before, but it the ability to have those emotional fluctuations is really part of our creation. Material things don't suffer depression. If people were not capable of depression, we would also not be capable of happiness or joy. And there are things in life that are designed to bring us down and depress us. Death is definitely one of those things. But another common experience is that of being becoming a new parent. There are so many factors and emotions and adjustments needed to be made that often we're overwhelmed and that you feel as though your sole purpose in life is to become a zombie, care for this screaming, pooping creature that prevents you from doing what you want. Maybe that's a little extreme, but yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I think um, for moms... Sometimes there's this element of love that helps you kind of see your baby in a different way, but there are also moments when you're like, ah, what did I do here? <laughs> and you know what? When, when we examine our lives at whatever season we're in, we take into account our capacity for depression. Because just like in the story of Elijah, God knows where you are, And he's there to help you. He's there to help us. And what's crazy is that we so often think God will show up in a miraculous way. You know, he might reveal himself in a beautiful glory. You know, he doesn't do that. He tells us to do the ordinary things. Go take a nap. Go eat something. Get a hug. You know, these are ordinary, everyday things. And when you read these verses on your own, you will see that God reveals himself to Elijah, not with power and majesty, but with gentleness and as a whisper. Depression can turn us away from the ordinary things of God's creation. They can steal the joy of everyday living. Depression prevents us from doing the basic things of everyday life. 
And when God intervenes, he inspires us to do those simple, basic things. That's his initiative against depression. And that's what, in Tony's book, that's what Oswald Chambers is trying to teach us. He also gives us a warning. And this one was really shocking to me because if we try with our own might and our own ideas to do something, anything, simply to overcome our depression, we will only deepen it. It's only when the Holy Spirit leads us to do something that we will overcome depression. We certainly don't want to minimize the fact that even though the Holy Spirit leads us to do things that help us overcome depression, we still want you to know it's okay to seek professional help or take medicine to help get your feet back under you. As long as your counselor is biblically based, medicine and counseling are also practical ways to help you through a season of depression. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Real Life with the Smiths, and we're going to dive into, well, this is a section of the show where we talk a little bit about what goes on in the Smith house, and Laura and I have both experienced several, multiple seasons of depression all throughout our lives. Probably, and Yeah, probably one of the hardest ones for me was during my pregnancy with our oldest, I felt really isolated. I didn't really have a tribe, and I didn't get the help I needed even though I was struggling with depression. So I encourage you not to take this route um, because it's really painful and lonely. The light at the end of the tunnel for me was moving back to our community and also just experiencing the blessing of motherhood, a topic for another time. And something that I wish that moms considering abortion would know is that there's so much joy in holding your baby. It just really picks you up from the depths and it helps you feel your new purpose in Christ and just the blessing that motherhood is. Another season that I really struggled with a low period in life was after our second child was born, except the difference this time was that there were so many people around us who jumped in to help before I even knew I needed it. I don't want to diminish the importance of getting fresh air and going for walks and just being out of the house either. Sometimes eating and going for a walk helps you clear your mind and reset your emotions and gives you time to Listen to God's gentle whisper. Another really interesting thing that I want to add here um, before I let Tony share his experience was that we did something called placenta encapsulation. And I'm (laughs) I'm sure you're like, you did what? Um, So there are people that actually like take the placenta, take it home and like cook it up and eat it. Okay. Tony's like going off the grid a little bit here. So, um, sorry. Placenta encapsulation is an Eastern cultural thing 
Um, and we hired a practice. Yeah. And we hired a doula both times to do it after we were educated during my first pregnancy about it. And basically what they do, a doula comes and picks up your placenta and dehydrates it and grinds it down into this little powder and puts it in capsules. But what it's supposed to help do is regulate your hormones and your hemoglobin levels and your milk production postpartum, which, I mean, I I did it both times, so I can't say what it would be like without it, but I think it was incredibly helpful. Yeah, I'm I'm just telling you from the husband and the dad's perspective. I think it at first it sounds disgusting and weird, but I really would encourage new moms, whether this is your first kid or your fifth kid to try it. It it's just it's just taking a pill. It's just taking a daily pill, but it's filled with your ground up placenta. Like it it's really not as weird as it sounds. But the thought of what your emotional fluctuations would have been like without it, I it could only have been a nightmare because <laughs> it was a nightmare anyways. <laughs> it was a little I mean it was it was just a challenge and to have that that little stability just makes a world of difference for her going through depression as a new mom, but also helps with trying to adjust as a dad as well. Cuts a man some slack here. <laughs> a lot of slack. Uh. But, you know, also I would like to say that I had a very challenging time with our second child. You know, I mentioned in the last episode some of my personal battles and a little bit about how I overcame them. But more in detail, uh, just sharing those experiences with other guys um, and other other dads, just doing that together. Oftentimes, I felt alone just with my age and also being a dad. Um, most of our friends, you know, weren't parents until they're in their mid to late 20s. You know, we became parents at 23. So yeah, just talking about those defeats and insecurities with other dads that were going through the same thing, or at least something similar, helped me a lot. And having prayer support from others, I have to agree with you here, going on walks after those long days helped because many times I just, I thought I'd snap, you know, like I was checking out, I was done. Yeah. At some time, some of those fresh postpartum days, those newborn days are really hard. But all of this to say we have survived seasons of lows after welcoming new babies into our home. And we're thankful for the reminder that sometimes God cares for us in very ordinary ways. We hope it's an encouragement to you as you're walking through these moments too. And our next series, uh, starting March 1st, focuses on mental health. So this is our last episode on the newborn series. And throughout the month of March, we will be focusing not just on the mental health of parents, but also the battles of mental health that your kids will have. So our walking wisdom for today is something that we mentioned at the beginning. We just want to encourage you to go back and read 1 Kings 19, verses 3 through 18, and spend some time dwelling on it and wrestling with what that might look like in your daily walk with the Lord. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our show, 
and we will send you our list of our top three parenting books for 2022. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our podcast. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again. This is The Walk.